welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Uh, my name is C.J. Reynolds, and this is Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk, which is real rap. For those of you that are new, is what my students refer to as like when you're having real talk with someone. It's no nonsense, no BS kind of conversation with someone. And I'm Reynolds, and I don't rap. But I do I do enjoy hip-hop, but that's a whole other story. The, the, the idea around this is that there are Sunday nights, maybe every Sunday night, maybe some Sunday nights, maybe right before winter break, Sunday night, or right coming back from Thanksgiving break, where you are feeling ill-equipped for the week, and you're not really sure what to do about it. And so me... And this sort of like our ragtag team here, not I'm more ragtag than most of the other people. Richard Royster is always looking professional, but uh, we're on here to help you out. So it's not just me. You will. If you put a question in, you might get a whole bunch of answers from people that are in the comment section as well. And it is a great group of folks on here. Like you, you have found your team to help you through all of this stuff. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to answer questions. If you put a question in the side, if you would mind putting the letter Q before the question or question, just makes it stand out a little bit more because there's a ton of comments that go flying by. And the not-so-secret wife over here is, is working on that. So um, let's jump in the questions and then we'll get into stuff. Uh, if this is something you're also interested in, um, this is a podcast. My homie Jake makes this into a podcast every week. So tomorrow will be out at five or six in the morning or something like that. Anywhere that you can get podcasts. And then on Fridays, there's like a classic Reynolds where <clears throat> I used to do a show called Te Teacher Talk Live, something like that. There's too much alliteration in education sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I would have guests on that were other YouTubers, other people that I really admired in the teaching space that were <clears throat> doing a lot of coughing this evening. Because you just had coffee with cream. I did. Coffee. With cream. Coughing. Okay. Something. Anyway, let's get in. This, is, this just got real dumb. Um, Panda Cheese is asking, what's your favorite part of the school year? I think, I think after winter break, like a lot of people lament winter break or coming back from winter break or Christmas break or um, however your school refers to it. But like, I really like that time of year because I really do feel rested and I feel like I know the students enough and I feel like it's not the end of the year. So everyone's not just like waiting for the summer but that's when you can get like some of your best work done. I think the plan is to really consider your, your classroom during winter break and then get a whole bunch of ideas and be able to just run back into school with those ideas and get started. And I think that's a really fun time of the year when you get a lot of great stuff done. Erica Whitechurch is asking, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was actually really great this year. Um, we watched the New York City Macy's Day Parade, which I don't usually watch. And our internet was messed up. So like we had like one of those antennas you buy for 10 bucks at Walmart. It's like this like piece of plastic that's attached to a wire in the back of my car or the back of my TV. And then we have to put it out the front door and out the screen door and hang it over. It so it's good. just hanging there and it's flapping. It was all windy. So the, it was all glitchy and stuff. And It worked for the day. But it was really funny that Brody kept saying, like, can you pause? Oh, wait, pause it. And I'm like, nah, bro. This is like we're back in 1987. There's no pausing TV right now. This is, this is like live. And if you go to the bathroom, you're going to miss something. So it was really wonderful. Like my family played uh, a really great game. Here, here's a fun idea. I'm going to do this for vocabulary. I think I might. And I won't start this week because we only have two days of school and then we have state testing. But the following week. We played a game of that's called, I think it's called reverse charades, which is 
a game, let's say there's six people on your team. Typically in charades, it's one person speaking to the other five, and these people are trying to guess what this person's doing. In reverse charades, guess what they do? They reverse it. So it's these five people trying to um, get this one person to guess what they're doing. And you just go through a series, as many things as you can in like 60 seconds or something. So for Hammock, it was like my cousin Mike, I grabbed him under the armpits and held him up. Um, my cousin Tom grabbed his feet and then we like gently rocked him back and forth. Hammock, right? It was really fun. I think I'm going to do that with for like vocab review um, next week also. So if I do that, I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, scholarly science teacher is asking, how do you start classes after a holiday? I'm a little worried about tomorrow. I have students journal. Um, I like journaling the beginning of class. I know, and it might get repetitive to students sometimes, but like, I think if you make the question interesting enough, it is, it's something to enter into and it's something that's quiet in the beginning. It's something that gets everyone on the same page so you can kind of like jump into what the next activity is. So I will ask like, <clears throat> what is what was the best thing about your break, right? Not about Thanksgiving because not all kids, one, celebrate Thanksgiving, two, not all kids have a good Thanksgiving, but what was the best thing about your break uh, or so, something along those, some sort of journal that's going to pull them back in and have them sharing out loud about it. And then that's that. But I find that that's the best way. And it doesn't have to be related to class or to school or to which is the same thing or to the lesson. Um, just something that is, that like brings us all back together or what's, you know, and then I just tell the students that like, I really miss them. I'm really glad to be back. I'm really glad to, to be doing this. And I'm looking forward to like having a great time leading up to winter break. Um, and that's that. So I think that that's something they probably don't hear enough. So that's why I like to tell them. John Lopez. Let's talk about John Lopez real quick before I read his thing. John Lopez, I got your two books that you sent me. I really love Mr. Rogers. So John Lopez sends me these in the mail the other day. And I don't do, I get stuff like pretty often in my PO box, but I don't do like unboxings and I'm not going to show you what he wrote, but John Lopez has the most incredible handwriting. It makes my handwriting feel bad about itself. And I really care about handwriting. So John, I just wanted to shout you out, man. I really appreciate it. I see you on here all the time. I appreciate the time that you take to send me these letters. Second time you sent me a letter that made my handwriting feel bad. So, um, Thanks a lot, man. I really, really appreciate it. I got some other stuff this week, too. I feel like a baller walking out of the post office. So, um, yeah. But anyway, John Lopez is asking, what is your take on the standardized tests such as SAT, AP, and ACT regarding weights towards admissions? You know, I think, oh, gosh, I, 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 I think it's not fair because not all students – just generally test well. And I don't like the way that all those tests are sort of are, are worded are the, the, the subject matter behind them. So like I've talked about this before, where even on the state test, right? The Pennsylvania state test, the Keystone test, a couple of years ago, I was put in charge of reading the biology test to a small group of students that needed it uh, read to them aloud. One of the stories was about manatees. And I remember I read the whole thing. I tell them the questions and the kids go Reynolds what's a manatee? And I'm like, bro, it's a, it's a manatee. It's a sea cow. They're like, what the hell's a sea cow? And I'm like, it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, that's the only explanation. Like, I don't know. How do you explain a manatee? This is like a, it's like a fat dolphin with uh, not a lot of speed behind it. Like, I don't know what, how to break it down. <clears throat> but when students don't know what a thing is, it makes it harder 
to to picture that. I also worked with a science teacher one year and we were trying to talk to kids about coral reefs. That was like part of the lesson. And they were like, what the hell's coral? And I'm like, that's a funky stuff. Like, like, how do you explain coral to a kid that doesn't know what it's like sea plants? I don't know. Unless like, you're like a science teacher that can scientifically explain. Yeah, because coral. I just think like <laughs> you just know because you know it. Yeah, like didn't you ever watch bubble guppies or something like that? Like <laughs> I I just think that's unfair. That being said, it's the game. So it's like trying to get kids to not lean into excuses or not lean into the fact that like they don't test well, like taking SAT classes, like helping kids tutor for that stuff, setting up what we do in my class in our school in general. This is uh, our English department had thought of this one year where all of our assessments for the year all set up in like an SAT format. Like we try and word the questions in such a way that like the kids are used to this. We try and build up reading resilience so that students aren't getting like reading fatigue, getting through something. So Although I don't like it, um, I think that it is it's the game. And unless someone just decides to change the game, it's like, what are you going to do? Like, we got to make it work. Um, so good question. Uh, Thomas Atchison. I think I said that right. First year teacher here. Question. How do I get my students engaged? Thomas, I think if you sat in on most classes that are in your school, right, and this is not. I'm not trying to diss teachers. I think that like there is, I read a lot online about like what teachers are saying and stuff. And so there's this push be behind like um, teachers just want to show up and teach, right? They don't want to put on the show all the time, but school's boring, man. Like if you go sit in most classes, if you had to be a student and eight times a day, you switched into a new period and sat there and listened to someone talk at you for 40 minutes, 50 minutes, three hours, whatever your class is. And then you had to do that multiple times a day, every day of the week or five days a week. Like that is boring as hell. And so I just see it. And, and, and I think it is not about your whole class being this sort of theatrical production, but I think there's something too. Can you make the first minute really engaging like start small like i think it is all about rigging the game so you can win so can you start with 60 seconds where you are building anticipation where you're pulling the kids in where you're getting them engaged in something where you're talking about something doing something acting something out showing a video like something that's going to get them excited and then can you do that for two minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes and then try and build it in maybe you can only do one to two minutes in the beginning, but maybe in that lull that's in the middle of your class, that's where we do something, anything, a, a friggin' dance party. You're, you have a brief contest in the middle of it. You do something funny. Like, um, I, I think that creating those moments in the middle of class to re-engage kids and make no bones about it. Yo, look, I'm feeling the dip right now. We got to do something about this because I can't go on reading like this in class because it makes me really tired as well. I don't want to fall asleep. So what can you do to to do that? I think it's what are your students like and then what just what wild ideas can you have? So I've talked about this before, but sometimes it's like playing music behind what we're reading. Sometimes it's having a dance party in the middle of class. Sometimes it's um, just stopping while we're reading and while we're reading something and I'll we'll, we'll the kids will say something in a sentence and I'll go, hey, that reminds me, did you ever have a moment? So this is like in time, in re real time annotations of books. What he just said reminded me of a time when I was a kid. 
and this thing happened. Anyone ever have experience like this or like everyone ever have food like that or anyone ever feel like that or anyone ever have a smell that reminds you of a thing that happened when you're in the fifth grade and every time you smell it, you're magically transported back. And then you're talking about stuff. Then everyone's like, all right, all right. I was just wondering, um, this next part of the story is really great. Here's what's going to happen. And will you see what happens when the reader or when the, when the author gets to this? And now you're creating engagement again in class. And I think it could be little things that are like that, where you don't have to recreate the wheel. You don't have to do a whole room makeover every single day. All those, those things are pretty cool. Um, it's just those little sprinkles of magic that you put on there. The intervention specialist. Wait, I know this person. Why do we know that? I can't. I, there's, I can't that name stands out for some reason. I feel like I should know you, but I don't. But I'm confused. So I'm going to just read your question. Um, first thing, thank you for the motivation. You are welcome. I'm glad to do it. I'm an intervention specialist, as would be uh, evident by your name. Um, I feel feeling weird tonight, baby. And, and plan to start a channel. What's your take on starting a teacher channel? So one, I think I love when people start channels. I just wish, look, and to be honest, like, and I'm not trying to dog anyone. Everyone tries to do it the same, right? So like, there's so many teacher channels that are like pretty much a carbon copy of one another. So from the intro to the, how they introduce themselves to what their content is about, I really would love to see, like, who's my homie in France? I don't know that I've seen anything from him no, in a while. He hasn't been. That one happy, class, no, not one happy class. Was it one happy class or one happy teacher? Not Fernanda. Sure, happy teacher or something like that. Something like that. There was a guy from France that his channel was something about being a happy teacher, but he's like, I'm really, like, pretty miserable dude, like, just in general, not just about being a teacher. But it was, like, him talking about being a teacher in France and I loved it because it gave you this like picture into like what it would look like to teach in France at this particular type of school. I love to see like a vlog from someone in Finland or on a reservation in the U.S. or teaching in like the back hills of Kentucky, like something that someone takes a unique spin on what they're doing. So that's that's one. Two, I uh, check with your school and make sure that it's OK. There are schools that are now like as teacher channels are getting bigger they view it as you're making money off the kids, right? And you are do or you're using the school as your backdrop to make money for you, which is why some channels are not allowed to film in the classroom anymore. They have to do it like, you know, at home or, or in a different location. So it's making sure that your school is on on board with that and then making sure that you're getting permission from students. If you do show students like having a, a like a permission slip that you sent home, tell them what you're doing um, and that helps too. But I would really think about what is, I think that your ordinary is somebody else's extraordinary. So what are you doing in your classroom that is a little bit different than everyone else's, even stuff that you get used to, like so much stuff that I put out that really hits is stuff that I'm like, Oh, I wasn't even like trying on that one. Like, like there's certain videos I really try and be outside of the box. And then other ones where I'll just share something I thought about. And then it like explodes because that's what, because no one ever thought of that before. And that doesn't make me more special than anyone else. I think all of us, everyone in here is doing something that is remarkable, but you kind of just forget like, because you've been doing it for five or 10 or 20 years. So you forget how awesome it was. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, so keep us posted. Answer, short answer. Don't follow everything that everybody else does. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Try, do your own thing and like find your audience. It'll be awesome. Tina is asking, 
working with writing skills with eighth and ninth graders looking for any advice to work with a wide variety of skills. Um, Tina, I would think about, so I think this goes back to engagement. So I would love to see what other folks have to say in here as well. So especially if you're teaching seventh or eighth grade writing, what are you doing in your classroom that is engaging or exciting for you and the students? In the last, I mean, in the last few years, like since I started teaching. So like in my first year of teaching, we started doing, I had to do persuasive essay, but like that was part of the curriculum. And I wasn't sure like how to do it. So that it wasn't just like the most boring crap ever. Cause you know, the students I was teaching um, were like, they didn't want to do it. It wasn't exciting to them. So instead what we did, instead of a persuasive, just a persuasive essay, they had to create a product um, or an improvement on an existing product. And that product they had to create a commercial for it. So they could act it out in the front of the class or they could record it. But it was, um, what do you think is like a product that you're, that people would want in this school? And they had to then persuade, they'd use all the elements of persuasion, like repetition and um, all the other kind of like, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the things that you do when you are trying to persuade someone but in commercial form. And then they had to write the essay as well. So, but it, that accompanied this kind of fun thing when learning about like simple, like plot development, like that little triangle thing that they taught you in fifth grade. Um, we, when we try and go deeper into that, I need to gauge where my students are. So we write children's books and that's what something we're going to do. Not this week. We're going to do it next week, leading up to winter break. And it's awesome. We use sites like Storybird or, Tundu, Tundu's a little laggy, but like it's still pretty good. Google slides to make them or something like that, where you are either making a physical book or like a series of slides that you're going to show the class to, to show that you know and that you can dive into like that basic story arc before we go into the next thing that we're really going to like dive into. So I think it's about trying to think of ways that other folks are doing that same thing, but like without the same old boring way that, you know, that we learned probably when we were in school. So, um, yeah. And then anything else someone's going to say on here, they're probably right as well because I don't, they are, uh, Oh, we did. Oh, sorry. Uh, sticking with sixth, we skipped your question and we apologize. Um, do you do anything special on Mondays to help the kids jump into the week? My class is always hard to engage and excite on Mondays. I don't, but that's a good idea. Less music. I So my new thing is playing music. Like I've been playing music a lot in between classes. Um, it just like sets the vibe when kids come into class. Uh, it seems like it would be fun, especially like, you, you know, when you paint the picture of just going from class to class and it's the same. Yeah. I That's fun. I, so look, I, I keep pulling a lot from that Burgess book that I've been reading, Teach Like a Pirate. Um, and I, I talked about this a little bit, but like I don't read teaching books, but I heard Dave Burgess speak in in Ohio and then I bought his book and it's really great. And so I, it has me thinking a lot about something about what he was saying, had me thinking a lot about like when you go to a concert, when you go to a really spirited church, Um when there's like this call and response, when there's people repeating something again and again and again, when the way people are moving around on the stage or on the pulpit and they are trying to pull you into what they're saying, like they don't need to ask for your attention. I don't know that there's ever been a pastor or a priest or, or someone sitting at the pulpit that has said, 
all right, I need everyone's attention. They just launch into it, but they have to do it with music and with feeling and with pulling story and connecting stories into what you're saying. Like, so I think that it's some of that same kind of stuff that I've really been like, I already do in class, but it has me thinking about it even more. Um, so one of the things that I'll do though, to bring attention on a Monday is talk about something that happened that weekend, talk about something that happened with the kids. Cause there's always something right. Like I, I, I sort of view things as a comedian um, where I'm always looking for like the funny little thing that happened. So whether it's going and getting a Christmas tree yesterday or setting up the Christmas tree stuff tonight or whatever it is, right? Like, but I'm looking for that hook to just tell them a story. And then as soon as I have them engage, it's like, bam, we just jump right into the lesson. All right, this is what we're working on today. It's going to be awesome. Check it out. Uh, I need five note cards on your desk or I need this or this or this. And then you just jump into it and you're teaching like a DJ because you're learning how to jump from one jam to the next, the next, the next, and keeping people on the dance floor. Uh, Shawnee Rathug. I don't know if I just said your name right. And if I didn't, I apologize, but I struggle with names. My name is CJ Reynolds and I struggle with names. Um, question. I'm a new teacher struggling with my ninth grade students calling out when they're getting upset and I don't want to acknowledge their answers. Uh, please help anything. Um Shani, I would say, gosh, this happened. First of all, let's just acknowledge that happens, right? And it's not the worst, right? So, and I, and I, I, I'm not trying to belittle what you're saying, but I just think that it's worth sometimes remembering that ninth graders are ninth graders. And when you become, uh, oh, I'm getting a lot of love over here in the comment section. I'm sure my girls are on it right now. <clears throat> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So they, no, I don't know who that is, but yeah, I'm sure the girls run it, whatever. Oh, I'm not interested in that. Okay. Um, I'm interested in what we're going to do when ninth graders aren't, aren't paying attention. So I think it is, it's worth the time to just kind of like sit with that for a second and like realize like why this doesn't work. Um, or, or that, that they are young because when they come back in 10th grade, some kind of shift happens where like the kids are less like rammy, right? They start maturing more and more and more. We just happen to teach them. I, Cause I teach ninth grade too. Like we just happen to teach the grade where that is like, it's just the last vestiges of, of madness before they kind of like go in the 10th grade and, and change a little bit. Um, the other thing that, that it's worth doing is like stopping the class and saying, look, this can't work. Like when we call over one another, it just can't work. I care about your answer, but I want to really listen to it. And if I'm listening to you and I'm feeling harried by this person over here, then I can't really listen. And I want to. So keep answers short and please like know that your answer is important to me as well. So I will get to you and I will give you the same full undivided attention as the next person. Um, so that, that helps sometimes too. Sometimes I find that just sitting with my students, like not standing in front of the class, but sitting in a desk in an aisle, I'll put my feet up on the desk next to me. And then, and then we're just talking about stuff. And it creates this, this shift where it's not this urgency of, of, of what's happening. Um, is that real? Yes. So it, it, I think that that is a shift also that could happen. So, um, yeah, I think that talking and if you have high flyers, certain kids that are really, really, really doing stuff like that, that shouldn't be um, or they are doing it all the time. Pull them aside. Bro, what are we doing? 
what are we talking? Why are we talking so much for? Like, why, why are we like the hands raised and we're calling out and we're saying our answer anyway? You're important. I need you to know more than anything that you are extremely important to me. And so is your answer. And I want to get to you, but you're going to drive me crazy. You're making my hair more gray. And so sometimes that kind of conversation with a student really helps as well, especially if it's in playful mode. Um, Ellen Greenberg question. What should my responsibilities be as a student teacher? Oh, Ellen Greenberg. Here we go. I think number one, you need to remember that when you start student teaching, that those students are not throwaway students. And I'm not saying that you think that they are, but I'm saying that I did not anticipate the connection that I would have with my student uh, teaching students. That was a lot of studenting in there. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Years later, like 15 years later, the students that I taught 11th grade literature to hit me up. They found me on Facebook uh, once the YouTube stuff started getting going. And they were like, yo, Reynolds, do you want to go out for drinks with us? And I thought, go out for drinks with you? Like, what are you, like, in the woods somewhere? Like, like, you guys can't even drink. And they're like, no, we're like 20-something years old now. Like, we like like married. Some people have kids. Or, like, we're all getting together. And I'm like, oh, you're like grown-ups. Probably like 28 Yeah, now. they're like they full-on. Well, I know. If I get invited to someone's 30th birthday, I'm just going to get my walker out and we're going to go <laughs> right there, right? It's uh, So it's – I just – couldn't believe how much time had gone by and we still connected like over the years connecting with kids. All right. So that's one. Two is uh, I think connecting with those students is one. Two is going into that room and letting that teacher know, I want to be a part of this. Like whatever I have to do, whatever's happening, whatever's going on, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And I want to have responsibilities. So like then just start engaging with kids. So the third thing is like, just start doing stuff like being in the hallway in between periods, being at the door every single day and shaking every single hand, even though you don't know these kids, like saying hi to every single kid, finding kids that look like they feel like they're invisible and letting them know that they're visible. That's the little stuff that you can do that just changes a kid's life. They never even saw that coming. Here's how I love to think of this. Right now, you are about to student teach or just started student teaching. As you're getting closer to that classroom, so is some student. Maybe they're not in that class yet. Maybe it's going to be next year. But your 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 paths are working their way towards one another until one day they cross. And every teacher on here can tell you that there is some kid that, man, they just made your year, made your week, made your life better. Because if you had started teaching five years later or if you had taught like – like a different section of English, your paths might not have crossed, but man, there are kids that you are working your way towards that you will connect and it will mean everything to you. And so just keep that in mind as well. Uh, short question, long answer. Welcome to this amazing life. What's up? How are you again this week? I see you on here all the time. Um, and I, I really like that. And I, I have a positive name and I think I comment on that pretty much every week, but <laughs> how should you approach your teachers about your mental illness? I've just found out that I have anxiety and I don't know how to tell my teachers about it. I get really nervous talking to teachers. So one, could an adult help you with that? So like you, whether it's uh, someone at home or someone that you trust, like a teacher that you trust, like helps you have that conversation. So sometimes students will come to me with something really heavy and they don't know how to like communicate that to other teachers because they feel like that teacher doesn't like them or they're not like, they're too, uh, yeah, they're just like, not like 
a chill person to talk to. So I'll help have that conversation. I'll, I'll bridge that gap for them. Hey, just so you know, so-and-so is going through it at home. So-and-so is dealing with like a bout of depression, like whatever it is that's going on. Um, and here's what I've been doing in my class to sort of help them out with that. If you know, and, and what you're doing is like, you're creating the bridge that they're creating the bridge for you. If that doesn't work, I find that really more than talking to someone, I, I it takes so much away from this because you used to do this with your dad. <clears throat> when you would have an argument with your dad and he wouldn't listen to you. Mm -hmm. Hold on, I got to drink some green flash here. Um, <clears throat> you would write him a letter. Mm -hmm. And the conversation never worked between you and your dad. No. Like he never listened and it always became like the shouting match or him shutting you out. But the letter was something he couldn't talk over. You mm -hmm. can't talk over a letter. You can only read it. And then if you miss, if you don't get something, you can go back and read it again and again. Yeah. And that also gives the person who's writing the letter a chance to really think about how do I want to, to put this out there? So I would consider doing that and sending an email to your teachers as well and saying like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm going through. Um, just so you know, I just wanted to give you the FYI on, on kind of what the situation was. And I think that that one of those two ways is the best way to kind of handle that. Uh, Christina Belt is asking tips on training, training. And I hate, why did I just do that? <laughs> tips on training freshmen to be good high schoolers. I feel like they often come in the high school unequipped for behavioral and academic expectations of high school. Had a question the other day. My question to my students was, what would school look like if it didn't completely suck? And so, but you could also say if school was actually enjoyable. One of my students said, you know, this is West Philly, boys, all boys in West Philly, right? Not the audience that I thought was watching this movie, but this kid goes, I came to school on the first day and like, I was like, I always thought it was going to be like high school musical. And that wasn't. And I just thought that was both heartbreaking and adorable at the same time that I made, I have to like go watch high school musical. Now I've never seen it before. Cause I am. Cause when it came out, I was like, it would have been weird if I was watching it, but uh, I don't know. Like Zac Efron, like set the bar, like at a certain place. And like this kid thought it was going to be like that. I think freshman year is all about survival. I think freshman year is about learning from your mistakes and letting students make mistakes. That's part of the reason I don't take, make extra credit for like, um, if you're failing and you want to boost your grade up, I don't do makeup work because I don't want kids to get into that pattern, right? It's not out of meanness. It's not me trying to like set the, like putting my foot down, put my flag in the sand or in the dirt or wherever the hell you put flags in the pole. But I am trying to just set the tone for the year and then talking to students about why you don't do that, about why you don't take late work, about why whatever. And so I think there is building in a, a bit of redemption, right? So like if students don't do well on tests, they can retake a test. So all my assessments are on Fridays. You can always retake a test on Monday. But if you forget about it, then you missed your your opportunity. But if you come to me and say, hey, I have a doctor's appointment. There's basketball tryouts. I want to do this thing after school. Can I take it tomorrow? Right. Come in tomorrow, take it then, and we're good. But it is about, I think, not just letting students fail or not just letting students learn the hard way. It's having the hard conversations with them that comes along with that. And then being mindful about when do you want to like use redemption in the classroom? Because I think that it's a really important thing for students to learn things like grace and empathy and sympathy and those sorts of things as well. Um, 
but that's that's kind of where I'm going with that one. Uh, Mahogany is asking, that's, wow, is that your real name? That's a fantastic name, mm-hmm. um, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, any recommendations for classroom management? I'm a pre-service teacher. I would say, to me, classroom management has one to do with consistency. You cannot say... There's no talking when I'm talking in class and then talk when kids are talking. It just shows that you're weak. Um, you can't now look and there's space for that, right? Like, like being mindful of what's happening in the classroom. But if someone's full on having a conversation turned around while you're talking, it's like, nah, bro, I'm not going to do it. So I do things like countdown from five or four to get kids attention. It's that repetitive, like when they hear me four, three, two, it's me honoring you. You can finish your conversation real quick and say something like, yo, I'll catch up with you later. Or like, all right, let's, let me get into this. And then we'll talk about that later. So I'm honoring you, but I'm also letting you know that like, I need to get started. I think the other thing is not being afraid. They're just kids, right? No matter where you teach, I don't care how scary your classroom is. I don't care how wild your sixth graders are. At the end of the day, they're just students. And so when you are dealing with something like that, I think it is, there's always kind of a way to figure it out. So I think the, so that's the other thing, but how do you get there? How do you get kids? How do you find out that they're just kids? It's by building relationships. It is by slowly, but surely speaking with students, talking with kids about what's going on, having conversations with them about what they're interested in, eating lunch with your kids, seeing them in the hallway every day and asking about their hoodie, their hat, their new jacket, like, Yo, I really like that jacket that you have on there. Or I tease kids a lot. So this year, I have this kid that keeps wearing an orange jacket to school. It told me it looks like a parking cone. Um, and but it, that's our relationship. Like we like then he'll say something back to me, and we kind of like like jokingly talk about stuff, and then he leaves, and that's it. But it is, you know, I think building relationships is one about being visible to students, two about being real, talking about yourself, letting them talk about themselves, and three letting students. Um, drive the conversation. So if they want to talk about Fortnite, if they want to talk about Marvel, if they want to talk about the new Star Wars movie that's coming out, it is going into their world, learning about that and then coming back and being like, yo, so I like I tried Fortnite, but I don't get how I'm supposed to do this. Now kids are experts. Now you are the novice and they need to teach you and that changes everything. And then before you know it, it's like, yo, we love um, you know, we love this teacher. I was trying to think of your last name, but I I all I can think of was your first name. Um, we love Miss Mahogany because she does this. Or did you know that she like watched the show because of us? Or like wh- whatever it is, that's the way in, and that's how you're going to win students over. Um, you gave me the same question. I'll wait. I will wait. <laughs> mm. Real quick, if anyone on here is this, I I'd love to. So I love sending. Um, when people send me stuff in the mail, I was saying how like John Lopez sent me a bunch of books this week about Mr. Rogers. I got this book and it didn't have a name or anything attached to it. And I really like sending cards or thank you, or at least an email back to somebody, but I didn't get anything on that one this week. So, and I don't know anything about this book. I, maybe someone talked about it before, but um, yeah. So if that's you hit me up, let me know. I'd love to, uh, to thank you for that. All right. Uh, John Bordash. I don't know why I paused like that was going to be a hard name because it really that was a pretty easy one. And I'm not that good, but that one was pretty. You got that one felt good. Yeah. John is asking, I'm sure you get this a lot, but what's your biggest piece of advice for college secondary education students? I'm in my junior year and the entire thing is starting to feel too real. 
So look, John, I think the, the biggest issue with learning about education in college is you are sometimes learning from someone that never actually taught before. Two, you're not in the water. So you're like essentially learning how to swim in a classroom. You're watching videos about water. You're learning the molecular properties of water. You're learning what to do if someone's drowning or if you're drowning and how to swim with the current so that you can get out the other side and you don't die. Like these are all the things you're learning, right? But then when you start teaching, it's like someone just kicked you off the high dive, man. And then you're just like falling through the air and you splash in and you're like, freak, it just got real all of a sudden. I think... The faster you can get yourself in the water, the better off you are. So I would start thinking about tutoring, thinking about reaching out to schools around you and seeing if you can like volunteer as part of an after school program or volunteer as part of like a like being a coach or being a part of their drama team or something where you're engaging with students, because that is the muscle that is going that is the hardest for teachers to learn. Teachers love their content. English teachers love English. Science teachers love science. But how do they get? other people to love science? How do they communicate actual ideas to other folks that aren't as stoked about science? So it is learning how to engage with young people, whatever age it is that you you want to teach, whether it's so secondary, whether that's sixth grade or 12th grade, like, or anywhere in between. I think it's getting out there and actually starting to do it in some way, shape or form, right? Even if it's once a week, you volunteer to help students after school with their homework, you're exercising that muscle and you're getting in there and it makes it more exciting because then you have something to be excited about. It's like, yo, I love doing this. I can't wait to do it full time. I think that's the move for that particular one. Um, Best of luck, man. I hope everything works out for you too. Uh, So I will say also, John and anyone else, if you're not a part of this, um, there's no, like, let me just, the caveat here, the transparency is that I don't make any money from this, but the folks that are in the comment section at some point said, Hey, would you start a Facebook group so that we could keep this conversation going when the live feed isn't happening or when we're done at the end of the night. So we have real rap with Reynolds teacher talk on Facebook. It's a closed Facebook group. You need to answer the three questions to get in, but that's just to make sure that you're an actual teacher and you're not trying to sell people stuff. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it does happen. There's like companies that try and get in there and like sell their people like to promote stuff. Their music in there. Which is yeah, which is that's weird. So it's just we're just trying to keep it like pure. So it's just teachers getting answers from other teachers that are awesome and trying to do great stuff in the classroom. Uh, Nora Berm is asking or Berman. That was not that hard, but I messed it up anyway. Question: Greetings from Buffalo, New York. Oh, that's uh, Maloney's from Buffalo, New York, um, and her husband is somewhere from somewhere that hates the Bills. And so that causes some tension, I think, in their relationship. But anyway, first year teacher, what? What? Doesn't say it's like an Eagles fan marrying a Dallas fan. Uh, yeah, I don't think they, they would get married. Win. They wouldn't get married. <laughs> um, first year teacher, wondering what are your some great incentives that you have worked have worked out for you? Uh, I think. Look, I think the best thing. Uh, literally here's two pieces of advice for first year teaching that i think one do not wait to be the teacher you always dreamed of being don't wait till three years in a day till your tenure kicks in don't wait till everyone gets to know you where you get to know everyone else don't wait for anything go full out there are older teachers right more veteran teachers we they they can i think sometimes veteran teachers forget how excited you are when you start and they go, listen, don't burn yourself out. You got to take care of yourself. And that's true, right? Because like my friend Alicia says that if there's no 
gas in the car, nobody's going anywhere. But I think once you gas the car up, I think put your pedal to the metal and go for it. I think it's fun to do it like that. Like work too late, go in too early, do too much. And you can balance that out, right? I'm not saying like burn yourself out. And then like in the end of the year, you're just like, I'll never do this again. But if you feel like you want to do that stuff, whatever it is that you want to do in your first year, do it. Do not wait. The other thing I really wish I had done is bring in more experts. So I have been able to connect in the last few weeks. I have, I still haven't gotten Will Smith yet, right? But I have some people. The dream is not dead. That dream is not dead. I, so my dream <laughs> is to have Will Smith visit my school, right? I teach in West Philly, bro. It's like the most easy connection, man. Bring it back to the neighborhood. There's a mural around the street from my school that like you're on the side of a building, man. Come on. So I haven't been able to pull that off yet but I have some people working on it. But what I did figure out, I got Will Smith's best friend to come speak at my school. I just got a DM from him the other day. He's going to come in and do it. And if you've ever watched uh, the French Prince of Bel-Air, when Will's getting beat up on the basketball court, the guy that bully that puts him on his shoulders and spins around in real life, that's Will Smith's best friend. So I found that dude on Instagram and I DM'd him and I was like, bro, here's what I'm doing. <laughs> this is what I'm about. And this is what my kids are. Would you ever come in? And he was like, that sounds amazing. Of course I would come in. I was like, yes. So I get Will Smith yet. Nope. But I got his best friend and that's just good enough right now. Um, I also have my friend DJ Cosmo Baker who came in and did like a DJing lesson for my students. And he's like, just drops nonchalantly that he knows DJ Jazzy Jeff. And I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, you know, Jazzy Jeff. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, can we like hook that up? Like, can you bring him into the schools and meet the boys? Like that would be, they would love it. So I think reaching out to folks that if you're doing something, if you're studying the brain, reach out to a neurologist. If you're studying history, reach out to some like Civil War recreation people or someone that dresses up like Benjamin Franklin or if like you teach history. You should be reaching out to uh, hip hues. Yeah. Isn't like, jam? yeah, like all I would just start reaching out to whoever you think could make your lesson come alive. And look, maybe you live in middle of nowhere, South Dakota, but Skype them in. Google Hangouts, I'm in. Make an event out of it. After school, yo, I'm going to pick just a certain rate number of dudes, the certain kids that are like really excited about this from all the different grades, and we're going to have him come in, and he's going to talk to us about this thing, or she's going to talk to us about this thing. It's going to be awesome. That is like, I really wish I had done that like from the jump. And even though that technology didn't exist when I started teaching, like as soon as it was available, I'm now realizing I don't need people to physically show up. I can have them Skype in, and I've been doing that with a lot of interesting people lately. And I'm going to make a whole video about this eventually when I get freaking book done. Um, but yeah, so that's that. Uh, next question. Uh, your book is the least you got the edits done. Yeah. Oh, so the book, I got the edits done. Um, there was a ton. I am waiting. There's like two little things they have to fix on the cover. And then I'm going to release the cover. I'm going to put up on Instagram um, so that everyone can see the actual cover of the book and what it's going to look like. But uh, for those of you that don't know, I wrote a book. It's getting published by Dave Burgess's, uh, Burgess's Consulting. Um, it's called Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. And it is, I'm so excited about it. So I just finished the edits the other day. Like, so I sent it to them. They said, change all this stuff, fix all this stuff. They sent it back to me. I did all that crap. I made the appendix. So like all the things I want you to be able to link to at the end of it, or like be able to Google search or whatever. Awesome. I'm so excited about it. It should be out in March. Um, Elena Morris is asking any recommendations. Wait, I already read that one. Didn't I? 
for classroom management. All right, let's do more class. So I just answered this, but I will answer it again. I think classroom management, um, making your lessons, I think engaging lessons help with classroom management. They do not by any means solve all classroom management issues because if you're, you could be putting on the show of your life in front of a bunch of kids that don't really care. I think the other thing, the way to hook them in is to teach through a lens that kids actually care about. So when I teach Shakespeare through the lens of hip hop, right? When I talk about Shakespeare is Romeo, Romeo, wherefore out there, Romeo, deny thy father and refuse thy name. And the students are always like, why do they got to talk like that? Why do they just say like two households, both alike in dignity and fair Verona, where we set our scene from ancient grudge, break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. Reynolds, why do they talk like that? They talk like that for the same reason that Snoop says, when the pigs try and get you, park like it's hot. Or I forget, now I'm going to mess up the lyrics. Um, well, when Snoop talks like that, it is fun, right? When When slang is spoken, it is because it's fun. So when you think of whether it's Kendrick Lamar or Snoop or Dre or, you know, run DMC, like there is, it is coded language. It is a language that people like us say things like this. People like us do things like this. And so just the same way that graffiti is written in a way that it's not just spelled out for you. Sometimes it's coded language. You have to look at it and figure out, do you know how to read that message? And when we do things like that, it just makes it fun. Shakespeare is just trying to have fun, I think, also. So it's making that... What's up? He's taking your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that you're teaching through a lens that the kids care about, right? So I I get to get a little off topic there. Anyway, that was fun. I like talking about that. <laughs> so if you're doing vocabulary or if you're doing uh, word problems, can you make the word problems about something the kids actually care about and not about like sea turtles or whatever other lame ass thing is like in the textbook, like connect it to Fortnite or Marvel or um, YouTube or whatever your students are all interested in. But then that takes you building relationships so you can know what your kids are interested in so you can start teaching through those lenses in your classroom. And I think that builds engagement. Um, and then that helps with classroom management because now kids are pulled into what you're talking about and not just um, not just like being trying, you're trying to coerce them into, to being a part of the class. Uh, what do you got? Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't give me another one there. There you go. It's the next one down. That's my Southern accent. Uh, M or Dodi. I don't know if I said that right. There's a really good chance that I didn't. And if I didn't, I apologize. In my last week of teacher assisting. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Uh, I'm excited to, do student to student teach, but I'm nervous for graduation and the job hunt that follows best tips for finding a job, any job as a first year teacher. I think one, um, when you look, I think that too many new teachers treat the job search, like it's speed dating. Like you're going to jump from one person, to the next person, the next person, the next person. There has to be some sort of like, when you show up for a job, don't act like you're on your fifth job interview of the day or that you have four more after this. Act like this is the only one. This is the one that matters. And then look into that school. So if you're teaching at a school that is has a cool robotics team, they have they won the lacrosse championship last year. Know that stuff and go in and say, hey, really great. Thanks for having me. Like I saw, um, I just read that you guys like won the football game on Sunday or your robotics team is like really crushing it this year. Like really great work. What that's saying is, you're interested in us. That's what the school's hearing, that you took the time to learn about us. 
you are also interviewing schools. They're not just interviewing you. So look for things that you want to know about them and then seek those answers out. And then also the answers that you don't get, like, like things like, what do you, like, how do you all support like first year teachers at your school? I'm interested. Um, do you have a curriculum that's already ready? Uh, do like, like, would I have like, whatever it is that you're interested in knowing, make sure you come prepared with those questions as well. I think first year is all about who you know, too. Like, I think there's a large reason that I got the job that I have now is because I knew people that worked at the school. And I didn't know that going in necessarily, but I walked in and I had a friend that told me about the job who worked there. But then I met like three other people that worked at my school that I'm at now in West Philly. That was like, I didn't know you even worked here. So they like all went to the principal and like told him like, Hey, I think you should hire this guy. And that's, I think part of the reason that I got the job. So thinking about that as well. Like, um, is there anyone that, you know, is there anyone you can get to know? Can you start like subbing at that school? Can you start working as part of after school program at that school so that you're in that world? Um, and not just showing up asking for a job, but you're trying to like get involved in something that they're doing also is a good move. Uh, this one applies. Mm -hmm. SB is saying the advice he's giving, just helped me get a job. I took time to learn about them and interviewed them too. Awesome. Love hearing it. Congratulations. Uh, first job. Or I don't know. You didn't say it was your first job, but um, that's awesome. It's such a relief. Like when you first get that job and then, man, when you first get that paycheck, you're just like, this is it. It's legit. Especially when you student teach. Well, you student teach for free, right? (laughs) And then you get a paycheck and you're like, damn, like actually making money doing this is awesome. Helena Lee is asking, good evening rounds. Good evening, Helena. Uh, I want to know if what you think about running a flipped classroom. I'm contemplating on incorporating uh, class kick in two of the school days. I think it's a great idea if your students are going to do it. Not all of my students have um, technology to be able to do that. So like when I'm thinking of flipped classroom, I'm thinking of how I as a teacher would make videos that students would watch the lesson at home and then they would do the work in class. I, so what I ended up doing with that was ending up making sure both those things were happening in class. Like I'm administering the information to the kids are finding out information and they're doing the work in class because not all of my students have internet or phones or laptops that are uh, dependable. But I think it's a great idea. I have this guy I used to work with Wascom did it and had a lot of success with it. And, and it was just different enough that the kids really liked it. So here's what I would say is, um, is anyone in here, has anyone done, flipped classroom and have you had success with it? And what is, what are like the one or two things that you really wish you'd known on the front end that would help them out when they're getting started in this? And then there you go. Now watch all these answers come up and it's going to be awesome. Two-parter. All right. So Sherry Herr is asking question. Hello. I pulled my fourth grade granddaughter out of public school. She has a mental illness. She was locked in a closet and she was told that she will never graduate. How do you get her excited about school again? Sherry, or no, Cherry. I don't know what I'm saying, Sherry. Cherry, first of all, wait, what? She was locked in a closet at school and told that? Like, don't even tell me that. Don't even say that that's not possible. Do you know the crazy crap I've heard no, in I just, private, like, special ed Facebook groups oh, that schools um, do to kids? I'm it's sure. Awful. Look, so, Cherry, here's, here's what I would say. We just had a conversation about this the other day. I think kids innately love learning, right? When they're little, they're always experimenting with stuff. They always have 9,000 questions, but then we send them to school and it becomes unfun, right? It's like, if you got, 
if you had a test on a movie, the movie would not be as enjoyable, right? If you were getting graded on making out with someone, it's immediately less fun because it's like, you're nervous. I don't know how this is going to go. Oh my gosh. What if I don't kiss? Right. What if I, my hands all sweaty when I hold her hand, like it's going to be weird. And am I equating school to making out? Of course I am. But this is why when you make things just about learning, just about growing, about getting better, it gets, I think it's more, it's easier. So I would do, you could do a million things, sit with your granddaughter and say, what do you want to know about? Like, what was your favorite subject in school that you really loved? Right. And if it's history, go to, so one of my things with my wife that we just talked about is our local library. I'm pointing over here. Like, you know, where my local library is because it's right over there. So my local library has, I said, find out something the kids are interested in, then go get a book on that thing. And so we're reading, then write down some questions or something about like what you're, what interests you about that or what you're wondering about that particular thing. Then we have free passes to all kinds of museums and art exhibits and um, historical sites at our local library that are completely free. So you can go see like the Battleship New Jersey or go to the aquarium or the zoo or some kind of art museum like for free. So you're you are finding the thing that they're interested in and then you're finding all these things that are free at the local library to back that up. And then have them do research on it, have them do a presentation on it. So my daughter, right? This is how awesome this goes. My daughter wants a bird. There's no chance I'm getting a bird, but she wants a bird. So I'm waiting for her to like fly down the steps right now. I'm like, I heard you talking about my bird. Um, She taught herself how to do Google Slides, how to input pictures, how to put the information on there to convince my wife and I. She researched as, all the facts. All the facts. What you need to have, what you don't need to have. Are they intrusive? Do they make a lot of noise? Like any, like the pros and cons of she everything. She <laughs> then had like a collage of all these birds and her with the birds. How wonderful that would be. Like it was <laughs> hilarious, but it's what she wanted. And so when you, I think when you put the right stuff in front of kids, like if they're interested in coding, then like finding things that they can code. If they're interested in, video games like helping them to understand like the backstory of video games and like starting to get interested in that stuff like and when you don't know enough go find somebody that does go to the local science uh store or museum and try and connect with people that are going to get her excited about education again that's the bottom line is getting kids excited about what they're actually learning and i just don't think it's that hard especially when it's one-on-one and you're like all right we are free from the shackles of, of where you came from, this horrific experience that you had. What do we do now? Right? Like what's like, let's learn about anything. And then that's where the, I think it gets fun in there. So I would think about how are you going to make this fun? How are you going to get them excited about it again? And then kind of take it from there. Uh, Scott Ordway is asking, hi, CJ, when it's appropriate to jump in, uh, I'm sorry, when is it appropriate to jump in when students are complaining about other teachers behind their backs? Uh, Scott, I think immediately. And this is why. Excuse me for a moment. It is a slippery slope that kids go down and they feel like it's okay to talk about certain teachers. And the reason I tell kids they can't do that is I say, look, I just have a problem with anyone just talking crap behind someone's back. If you have a valid argument, if you say, Mr. Reynolds, 
Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so does this every day and I really hate it, or they won't let me do this, or I think they have it out to get me. That's actually looking for advice. But if you're just a bunch of kids talking about people, I go, nope, here's why you're not allowed to do this. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Teachers do the same thing. And when I'm in those rooms, in those spaces with those teachers that are talking trash on kids, I tell them as well, nope, if we're just talking crap, I'm not interested in it and I need you to stop, right? And I, I think that when you tell students that it's like, nope, I'm doing this for you also. Like you need to know that I'm doing the same thing when this is happening about, then people are talking about you. Um, I need you to just keep it together. And you can have those points of view. You can walk home, you can be on the bus, you can talk crap all you want, right? Like I just, I don't, I just, I don't subscribe to that because I don't think it's healthy and I don't think it's a, it's not a healthy way to deal with what you're feeling because it's, you're not trying to do something with it. You're just trying to like hurt someone or get, or like have a laugh at someone else's expense. And I just don't get down that way. Like, so I don't know, do that in math class or something like that. Um, so that's what I would do with that. Uh, I'm here is, oh, oh, I think I missed it. I'm here Williams. Who's a student of mine. Um, I'm here as a senior this year and I'm here wants to be a teacher and He's gone all over the world with me. He went to Costa, not Costa Rica. He went to Belize with me. He went to VaynerMedia with me. Um, he's a great dude. Reynolds, he's saying, Reynolds, I finally applied to college. I applied to some colleges, mid grades, middle grades ed, and some secondary. Oh, okay. And that's what you applied for. And some secondary ed. Why did you choose to pursue secondary education? That's a That's a great question. So I felt like, I had loving, caring teachers from kindergarten, skip third grade because she was mean, um, <laughs> up to even eighth grade. And then in ninth grade, it shifted. And I didn't, I never had a teacher that I really, really loved or like, I didn't have like that teacher that most teachers had that go into teaching because they say, oh, I had this teacher and they inspired me to become a teacher. I didn't. I watched movies and that inspired me to become a teacher partially. But um, I think ninth grade, especially, it's a time when we are becoming really who we're going to become. So like that is when kids start wrestling with issues of identity, of who am I apart from my parents, apart from my family? Who am I in my own world? Like what kind of music do I want to listen to? What kind of movies do I really like? What kind of people do I hang out with? Where do I want to be when I grow up? That is a place that I think is fascinating. And I think I am, I think I'm qualified to speak with students in that in when they're in that world uh because i like to right because it's something i enjoy it's something that i remember quite well being in the mix of of like who am i going to become and what am i going to believe in and am i just going to like take everything that my parents said and like recycle it into my own life and like i wasn't interested in that and so that's why i picked ninth grade specifically um to be able to do that and also ninth grade if a kid can't read in ninth grade or if the kid can't write correctly in ninth grade there's four years. So I don't see it as like ninth grade is the be all end all. I think it keeps moving on from then and I can get to build that relationship and build help students with stuff um, for the next four years and beyond. And so, yeah. Um, and no one keeps up with their fifth grade teacher, but I feel like people keep up with their ninth grade teacher, at least in my experience. Maybe if I taught fifth grade, I'd be like, remember me when you were 11? <laughs> Let's play like, no, that's weird. Um, Sam Sam is asking, ever felt like quitting, bro? Uh, I won't say monthly, but at least yearly I go, what the hell did I do? This was like, we chose this life. Um, 
slowly but surely reaching that point after approximately 13 years of teaching and I'm thinking of leaving. So I would say this, Sam. One is, is it time to leave, right? Like, I just think that like, like we are not our, I don't know how old you are, but like, I'm not my parents. I don't have to have a job that I keep for 40 years, right? Like there's other things out there. I can reinvent myself in a thousand different ways. So is it time to move on to something else? Maybe. And then maybe you want to go back to teaching one day and you can do that. Like that's the world in which we live. Um, but I would think, am I giving, am I doing all the things that it takes to be healthy as a human being anyway? So am I, eating right? Am I exercising enough? Am I laughing enough with people? Am I engaged in other things outside of school that fill me up? Because if you're not, if you're going to jump out of the, of the life of the, if you're going to get out of the classroom, like, I think that I'll tell you what, in my thirties, the, my thirties were with the exception of when my mother died when I was 22 were the darkest time of my life. I was severely depressed. Like I would like, it was like my all, it was like all the darkness from my life caught up with me in my thirties. And I had this really hard time. And then, but I worked through it. Like I saw a spiritual director and I got counseling and I did all these things where I was like trying to figure out ways to cope, ways to stay adrift and not just like sink into the bottom of the ocean. But like, even if it was some small ass little piece of drift would like hold on to it so that I would just keep going. And I'm telling you something about 40, man, it is like, I learned it. Like I learned how to do stuff and I can go back to that place, but I know how to get out of it. I know how to even get in front of it so that it doesn't happen all the time. Right. So like, I know every year of my birthday, some reason I, it's just like my birthday, it's sad. Like, I, I don't know what it is this year. I, I just made sure that I was on the front end of that. And I had the best birthday that I've had in years because I learned that like, I need to exercise every day. I need to make sure that I'm praying and meditating every single day. I need to make sure that I'm spending time with my wife and with my kids. I need to make sure that I'm going out laughing with friends. Those are the things I need to make sure that I'm doing. And then that directly impacts my classroom. So if you're thinking of leaving, that would be my recommendation is to make sure that you're doing that. Because even if you leave the classroom, that stuff catches up with you anyway, anywhere that you are. So it's like making sure that you're happy, healthy human being, um, no matter what you're doing is what I would suggest. What do you got? That's it. There's tons more. There's tons more questions, but we're at an hour and I got to feed my children dinner. Otherwise they might call Dyfus on. I don't think they would call Dyfus because then they wouldn't get Christmas gifts. Because guess what? That's the rule in our house. (laughs) Call the Stop. call the police. Funny, uh, that's, that's not funny. That was really t- it was funny in my head, but I didn't realize you ended so good. <sighs> I just ruined and it. You just botched your whole ending. I did. Oh well. How can we make it better? How about we put you on? No. All right. God. Um. <laughs> so listen, it is a difficult time of year. Here's what I want to leave you with: It is a difficult time of year in the classroom for for teachers and for students. But remember. Mm-hmm. Students in this time of the year get in trouble more than any other time of the year in my experience because they're not sure what Christmas is going to bring or what Hanukkah is going to bring or if they're going to get presents or if they're going to be taken away by DHS or if they're going to be living with mom or dad or if grandmom's going to pass away. There's all this stuff that's going on in kids' lives that affects their behavior and it makes school not important or it makes them want to get attention in any way, shape or form that they can. So it is about being mindful of of who your students are at this time of year and really connecting with them as deeply as you can and letting them know that they're seen 
and that you care about them. Um, and if you can meet any so, sort of those needs, if someone doesn't have Christmas presents, if they don't get, uh, if they're not going to have a meal to eat together, like figuring out ways to, to with your staff, with your community that you're a part of, um, or with the Facebook group, like go on the Facebook group or show up on here and leave a comment and try and help to find other people <clears throat> to partner with so that you can, um, as Ryan Sheehy says, be the one for the kids. And so that's it. That's all I'm going to leave you with this week. Um, hope everyone has a really great week. And I hope that, uh, yeah, that's it. Anything else? And keep an eye out. As soon as that book cover is done, I'm going to put up on Instagram so everyone can see it. And that's it. I want to end with something more spectacular, but maybe a song. No. All right. I'm just going to be done. Have a great night, everyone. I will see you next week. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.